Welcome to Space the Floor NBA Podcast. My name is Connor Geelan. And I'm Connor Flannery. This is our eighth official episode. This episode, we're going to talk about the major headlines from this past week. All the latest news. All right. So last episode, um, or maybe two episodes ago, we talked about um, Jimmy Butler and we called it the Jimmy Butler crisis, everything that was going on in Minnesota and all the problems that they were having as an organization dealing with I guess sort of the locker room cancer that you could say that Jimmy Butler has become. Um, that, so that's a claim. That's a claim. We'll get into that. We'll, we'll, get, into we'll that. get into that. But um, but yeah. So like, let's explain, just talk about explain what happened. For those yeah, all right. that may not know. Um, so, so obviously Jimmy Butler requ- re- requested a trade um, a few weeks back at this point, and if you hadn't haven't heard about that, then you're living under a rock. Or, and if you really haven't heard of anything at all go back and listen to our other episode the jimmy butler crisis why not um but since then um sort of the the, i would say the tension and i guess like animosity between jimmy butler and the management seems to have built up and it seems that his um i guess sort of discontent is not so much maybe with the players at least what he's claiming is it's not so much with the players as with the management um how would you tell us? I, I don't. I don't think so. I think that I've heard. I've heard some reports that say that it was. I. I, I think I heard him say that. Um, I saw someone say that it was. Um, I can't. I can't totally quote that, and I, so I'm not, I can't like guarantee that it's a fact. I heard. I heard some someone saying that it was um, more of a problem with the management. That he. I guess he said it was that it, that his problems were more with the management than with the players. But what we do have direct quotes with. Are, he gave an interview, yeah. He gave an interview, and there were reports from Adrian Wojnarowski that said in the first practice with the Timberwolves that Jimmy Butler went off and was just talking to the players, talking trash to the players, saying, quote, you bleeping need me, you can't win without me. That was Talk- that was more to the management. Yeah, that, was more, to, that yeah. was more to the management. And then he called out Carl Anthony Towns saying, you can't guard me, you can't pull that in the post like you can't score on me every time you pass every time you get past the ball when I'm guarding you you just pass it away and that was that was pretty intense Jimmy Butler was kind of just saying whatever he wanted whatever came to his mind and kind of dominated the gym as Mm -hmm. what reports said and especially sort of maybe even the most notable thing was that he took the bottom of the bench third string third players, string players. Who don't touch the court i don't even but, know their names <laughs> yeah the, like the four four of them plus jimmy butler and they beat the starters guys like former all-stars in jeff teague um cat was cat's been an all-star cat was an all-star um, this year and yeah andrew wiggins, andrew wiggins is, has has been a 20 point per game score um so yeah so i mean beat very good team. I beat that they I beat a team that they probably shouldn't have beat. But Jimmy Butler Definitely was shouldn't have beat. so determined and just like shocking I, everybody. I, I don't that, see like, how that can happen. Like even if the starters don't play well, they're just overall better. I, I heard that Angel Wiggins actually played very well, like almost matched Jimmy Butler. But I don't. That understand. was the practice after. Oh really? Okay. I, I based or what I heard or I think so. I think it was like maybe it was like the game after, like the practice after. Then Andrew Wiggins came back and basically tried to match Jimmy's intensity, which is which is good, right? I mean, I guess sort of one of the problems that Jimmy's been having is that he's had to work 
from homeless, unranked in high school, and like basically just had to work Juco, his way up the ladder. Barely, barely get to a scholarship at Marquette. Senior year in college at Marquette, he was an honorable mention for his conference for his mm-hmm. all conference team. Yeah, and but and whereas pick. whereas Andrew Wiggins has basically just been given all of the physical gifts in the world. Yeah, that, and that, hardly that interview, has to work. The interview with Rachel Nicholas on Nichols, or just Nichols, I think. On Wednesday or Thursday, he said that the most talented player on that team is Carl Anthony Towns, and the most God gifted player on that team is Andrew Wiggins. But who's the hardest working person? It's him. And mm-hmm. I mean that's true. And I guess that's his problem. He doesn't think that mm-hmm. that should be the case. He thinks that everyone should think that. And I was rewatching the interview, and he was talking about how not everyone's priority talking about either Carl Anthony Towns or Andrew Wiggins he didn't want to specify but not everyone's priority in that locker room is winning and when that's the case when he wants to win and maybe someone else that's not their first priority then that's where conflict is bound mm-hmm. to happen mm-hmm. and I, I think that'll but it also has to be more than anything I think it just is that if this if, he, if it's going to be a team that's winning you know he requested a trade to teams that are not as good, not as talented as the Timberwolves. But I think that what's sort of what's most important to him is that the management and the players are all going to rally behind what he wants. If he wants everybody to be working as hard as he does, he better have it that way, or he's Honestly, not going to be happy. To his credit, this may work because Woj also said that people people were, left that practice energized, like, yeah, heated up, and really kind of. Mm-hmm fired up or determined yeah like which, like good for jimmy butler hats off to him if that ends up working if you're if you're one of those starters then you're embarrassed yeah. and if you're one of those third string bench players you're like you're okay yeah. like we really just beat the starters yeah. so i mean if that's what i mean i think that in a way he's sort of going about it the right way i mean he's getting a lot of criticism i think for what he's doing but let, let, let's talk about that he's getting criticism for some some people say that he was out of line in this, and it was maybe childish or immature. Do you? Where do you fall on that? What is your opinion? Is, is he? I, is he? Like, is this okay for him to be saying these things? I like that he's making his opinions known, and that he's not and he's not holding anything back. If he's not happy, and they won't trade him, then he better go out and do something about it, right? He he better basically. If he's going to have to start the season on the Timberwolves, then it makes sense that he's going to go out and basically just show everybody what he wants. Show everybody, you better be working this hard, or otherwise I'm going to come into every practice and whoop you. Yeah, I mean, I, I just, I see the point. I kind of think it's a little bit It's a little bit harsh. Or, yeah, a little bit harsh and a little bit inappropriate and unprofessional to be yelling at your general manager during like a practice with your whole team and definitely the coaching staff and definitely some of the other guys in that organization. I think, but he has the right to be frustrated. Yeah, but I don't think that that's not how you handle that's something not, in a professional environment. As a leader, that's not Professional basketball is different than just an office job. Mm-hmm. That's not how like professionalism is. As as a leader of a, of a young team, that's not how he should probably be acting just in terms of a role model. But if you're in a situation, you'd be frustrated too. If you're if you're on a team that you've requested to be traded from for three weeks or whatever, you wanted to be. He said he wanted to be traded by media day. This it's been a, over a week since media day, the Timberwolves yeah. media day, and he's still on the team. So 
I'd be frustrated too. And as much as you can say, I definitely think that the argument for Jimmy Butler being a locker room cancer is there. But do do you think? But that? I don't I don't discredit him for I don't I don't have any less respect for him or think that he's wrong in doing what he's been doing. Last thing, do you think Jimmy Butler is a locker room cancer? I I don't want to say that anybody's a locker room cancer because I don't I mean I've never met Jimmy Butler. Right? I don't know what I don't know what goes on behind the scenes. Yeah. Um but in a way kind of. I mean I think he said it himself that basically he he has super high standards because he's had to work so hard and he understands that that if you're okay, so his in his mind, here's what's going through his mind is that he's had to work so hard to get to where he is. So he's basically starting from a lower point than guys like Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins are, who are more just God-gifted, talented I'm, players. I'm saying in general, is he a locker room cancer? Like right, so, him, so, as, okay. him as a person. But like, so, Obviously, we don't know him. So but so basically, he's saying that like, if, if you've already got that head start over other guys, why not just work as hard as Jimmy Butler is working to become an all-time great player or something like that? Right. What? So just because he's upset that players who have this head start and benefit aren't working as hard as him, which is logical, but it's a little bit extensive to the you know, in, okay. and just in terms of like how hard he's pushing it, and it's a little bit unrealistic. No one in the league works as hard as Jimmy Butler does right now. Yeah, probably. I mean, that's hard to say because like superstars, but yeah, I I know what you're saying. I wanted to say like. There, there was some trouble in Chicago as well. Like mm-hmm. nothing, like nearly this severe or yeah. drastic. I mean, there, there were some troubles. Like him and Tibbs kind of had some, not conflicts, but he was kind of a little bit dissatisfied with the situation. I think some people believe that Jimmy Butler could be a locker room cancer. I don't think so because Chicago, whatever that happens, but Minnesota isn't his fault because he was put in that situation with people that are just different than him and who if everything he says is true which i don't know we, we can't take that for granted that everything he says is true because it's biased but if everything mm-hmm. he says is true is is true then it sounds like he's he's not the victim but he's put in a situation where he's really not who he is if he doesn't say something i think yeah. that's what this really comes down to yeah i mean uh, yeah, I, I would argue that I would argue that he's not a locker room cancer, but is he is he affecting the morale and chemistry of this team in a negative way in the outlook of this team by the media in a negative way? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but at the, you know, but but is he a locker room cancer? I don't know. I don't know. I don't really know what's going on behind the scenes. And you might be listening at home saying. But wait, isn't that the definition of a locker room cancer? Someone who's making the you know the chemistry and the morale and the media look at the team in a like a you know a worse way. Yeah, I mean kind of. But, <laughs> okay, so you're kind of talking yourself into it. A little bit. I but I also don't I don't want to say straight up he's a he's okay, a locker room cancer. I, I, I see what you mean. All right, Jimmy Butler. That's a story. All the other news in this week. Luka Doncic had a notable performance a few days ago. I think it was either yesterday or the day before. This is being recorded on Saturday. And he dropped, like, I mean, like, stats don't really matter in preseason. But he, mm-hmm. he dropped 18 points, 4 assists, 
and he shot 10 threes and made four of them. Mm-hmm. If, if you go back and watch the film, he looked, he looked like, like what came to my mind was just Jason Tatum last year, just like a rookie mm-hmm. who is, he looks like he's been playing the league for so long. It just looks oh, so yeah. clean and his offensive game is so polished and he has so many different moves and tricks that he can pull out of the bag. Mm-hmm. Like he had that pump fake and then hezzy in and out and then a behind the back like i was just <laughs> i was in another world, i mean man. this is this is the guy though who's been playing professional basketball overseas for like four years or something like that like yeah. he's he's the it's understandable I he's, he's i think he's got to be the most nba ready prospect in this draft i mean now so, now we know we, we didn't yeah. fully know about i mean it. like i, I would have i would have suspected that, that i would just i would have put my money on that before the before preseason so it kind of i mean it makes sense but He's definitely proving, I think, that, that he is NBA he's NBA ready. He's ready to help the Mavericks win right now, which is what Mark Cuban wanted to do for this season. I do, still don't think that they're really a playoff team. They don't have to be. Yeah, but, I mean, obviously the, the talent and the fluidity of his game and just it looks like he can run an offense already at this point. It, the, the playmaking and especially the ball handling is just there. So, and the way he can use his moves to get to the basket or just get by his defender to that second level to mm-hmm. mid-range. His offensive game impressive. is so complete. Yes. That's it's just like it's very impressive for a, for a guy who's a rookie in preseason, you know, his first NBA action. Um it's yeah. it's really like amazing. I, I mentioned it before. He made four threes and took 10. Like, yeah, he made threes. You can have a good shooting night and shoot four for six. I think it's impressive that he shot 10. That, that's a weird that's thing a, to that's say. That's a lot of threes. I think but. it's just a, a proven part of his game that we didn't really know that was there. That he, mm-hmm. he's someone who is going to take 10 threes in a game. Like, yeah, we, yeah, that, yeah. that wasn't on his scouting mm-hmm. report. No, yeah. I mean, we knew that he could that he wouldn't be able to knock down an open three. We did know he could take 10 threes in a game. And yeah, shoot and 40%, shoot, yeah. like at a high volume. If you can shoot 40% for the, from three first on a season, that's a nah, very I, I, good percentage. I don't, I don't expect that. I'm not even expecting. I'm just saying, to that's put it elite. in perspective, 40% for a, for a, on, from three on a season is, is an elite is yes, an elite shooter. It, it definitely is. I think, yeah, I think it's something that's worth noting. These are things that you can learn from this preseason, that Luka Doncic mm-hmm. can shoot threes and isn't afraid to volume. take them, and it, it's going to be a part of his game. It, yeah, I, I, I'm convinced. It's definitely, it's I, definitely I'm, I'm a convinced. weapon. Like, like some people might not, but personally, I am. I think Dirk Nowitzki said that the most surprising or the most notable thing about Luka Doncic's game is that he didn't realize that he was this good of a shooter, and mm-hmm. that like Hall of Fame, famous stretch bag shooting Dirk Nowitzki said that Luka Doncic was a much better shooter at his, at his age than Dirk was at 20. Mm. Which, I mean, sure, it's his teammate. Yeah. But, like... I mean, he's going to talk him that, up, but... Yeah, there's, but that's a but statement. That's, yeah, no. That's a statement. There's, there's at least some truth behind that. Dirk's not just going to be pulling that out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, quick question. is Would you call Dirk a top 10 shooter of all time? I, I read. I have some like Sports Illustrated book that has him as the top as a top ten shooter of all time. Uh, I mean, I don't know because like it's it's hard. He's definitely a top whatever three like big shooter of all yeah, time. Yeah, like, yeah. Big man. But, like, well, he probably number one. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't is. think of off the top I, of my head. Yeah, right, I just yeah. didn't. I said top three because I didn't think like. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just in case you're forgetting. Yeah, so on. yeah, yeah. So on. But 
I, I don't know. It's hard to make a list. Like, obviously, Steph Curry, Ray Allen, Clay Thompson, guys like Corver, Reddick, yeah. Bird, Miller. Those are just names that come to mind. Mm-hmm. I know. I, I don't know. Uh, I know. Um, I think also on that list, guys like Steve Nash. Um, who's the thinking of? Uh, totally blanking. Um, it's whatever. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, all right. But, yeah, I mean, I think that just the fact that he's a seven-footer that can shoot threes, that, that has been able to shoot threes at that, like, incredible 40, 50, 90 club kind of yeah. efficiency and volume is incredible. Okay, moving on to another rookie. I think we should talk about just Trey Young. We don't have to talk about his game or really anything. I just want to acknowledge that did you, you saw that shot. You saw it. I saw it. A few days ago, Trey Young against the San Antonio Spurs hit uh from from the logo. I mean given it, the, the Georgia Tech no, logo no, 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 is huge. No, no, I was, I was like, it was played at Georgia Tech and like no 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 But it was I, like I, halfway I, through honestly, the G. It, no, if he was on a normal NBA court, I thought of this. Yeah, that would be from the edge of it would be yeah. from the edge of the logo. Mm-hmm. He and like he had ten seconds to create his own shot. He dribbled out the clock and waited until there was three or two and a half seconds left and chucked up um, I, mean, I don't have like a f- good frame of reference for how many feet that would be, but it would like be thirty or like thirty-ish probably. I don't know, maybe a little more. It was crazy. It reminded me of like <laughs> Steph Curry almost. Yeah. In, in against that game against OKC, where Mike Green goes like bang, oh what a shot from Curry. Mm. Uh, yeah. It, it just it was so astounding to me. I'm like yeah. okay, <laughs> Trey, like like that that's what you're gonna do on the it final was... possession of a game when it's tied in overtime. Yeah. I think it was in overtime. Yeah, yeah. Like that. Just like, I think that it was. You could just see that the defender was so surprised that he like that he pulled up from there. Yeah, he was was not expecting it. That was. I don't. I don't know. I don't remember who it was that was guarding him. But it was like it was like he was just dribbling, like looking at the bench, and all of a sudden, like the blink of an eye was like turned and like quick release. It was already in the basket. Yeah, and like like before anybody could even react, and it wasn't. It was like he did it with like two seconds left. Like yeah. he just like he just caught everyone off guard. That's so crazy. It was, it was wild. I mean, the just like the, the 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 confidence, the confidence and the pure shooting ability is there, and that is obvious from this preseason. Yeah. The consistency, we'll see. I mean, I, I don't think the consistency has been fantastic this, so far, but we'll see. We'll see. All right. About three hours ago. This is recorded on Saturday. About three hours ago, there was a report by Ian Begley, who's the head uh, Knicks writer for ESPN, and retweeted by Adrian Wojnarowski that essentially said, I'll get the, I'll get the direct quote, but essentially said that the New York Knicks are going to, to waive Joakim Noah and stretch out that contract. Yeah, so, so how that's working is the first year of the contract – they're paying nineteen point two million dollars. It's a two, it's is, a two year, which is thirty eight million dollar contract. Yeah, which is left if they didn't waive and stretch. Mm-hmm. So, so they're paying half of the contract in that first year, but then they're sec- stretching out the second year nineteen point two million dollars into three years of six point four million dollars each year, mm-hmm. starting in twenty nineteen to twenty twenty, or to yeah to twenty twenty, and I guess that goes through what twenty twenty one to twenty twenty two. Yeah. Like we're both Knicks fans, so we actually care about this. Where the rest of the league just thinks it's funny and they're laughing at us. <laughs> but how do you feel about this? Because I have an opinion. 
Like, I have a pretty strong opinion on this. Honestly, I wish I knew a little bit more about how NBA, like, money works. I don't really know too much about, you know, like, the difference between waving a player and buying him out and, you know, stretching a contract. That's sort of new vocabulary to me. Um, well, uh, ba- basically, how that works, I, I'm, I'm just saying this. Yeah, yeah, go for it, go for it. Because I kind of know a I'm sure. Bit. I'm sure you're, you know, a lot of our listeners aren't really so sure themselves. Yeah, okay, I'm a nerd. I know this. Uh, <laughs> anyways, basically, the two main ways you can get rid of a player, besides, like, just, yeah, the two main ways you can get rid of a player who's, like, on an expensive deal that you want to get rid of, besides, like, trading them or whatever, is either buying them out or waving them. And, stre- and stretching them makes sense, but just waving them. Buying them out really means instead of paying Joakim Noah two years and $38 million, we'll pay him two years and $25 million, and then he'll get a contract somewhere else, which will recompensate the difference in salary and probably even get him more money paid. However, mm-hmm. the problem, the reason why the New York Knicks didn't do this is because no one wants to sign Joe Noah for more than the minimum. Maybe they won't sign him at all, but they, they won't sign him for the minimum. Mm-hmm. So there's really no point in buying him out for like $36 million. So, yeah, so in other words, so if they bought him out and somebody signed him for the minimum, and the minimum, let's say, is like for all intents, intents and purposes, like $2 million. $1, $2 million. Yeah. So, so $2 million would still leave the Knicks paying $36 million? Yeah. Well, no, the, the Knicks wouldn't re-sign Joakim Noah, like a different yeah, no, team no, no. would. Yeah, yeah. So, but the, but so, the, so that team that signs Joakim Noah, so if the Knicks buy out Joakim Noah, and a team signs him as paying him $2 million, $2 million a year, the Knicks have to pay $36 million? Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Okay. And All then right. th- that's the primary buyout way, and it's beneficial for the player because he probably gets more money and gets to a team that wants to play him. In this case, Joakim Noah doesn't have that. Um, yeah, yeah. And the team, the Knicks, would save money because they wouldn't have to pay the full contract. That's the most beneficial mm-hmm. way for both parties, but that relies on the basic premise that the player is going to be able to sign with a new team for a significant amount of money, which so, Joakim so Noah what, won't. So if if so, if they thought that someone was going to go out and sign Joakim Noah for $10 million... They would buy him out. They would not waive him. Because then they don't have yes. to, they'd only have to pay $28 million yes. instead of 36 or whatever. And in contrast, the New York Knicks, they waived and stretched Joakim Noah's contract. Waiving a player is essentially just dropping them. You still have to pay their whole contract. But sometimes, if they don't want to pay all the con all the money in just two years because that's what the Lakers did with Luol Dang, mm-hmm. for instance, because they wanted that salary cap, so they spaced it out for three or four years. The Knicks stretched it out, which means that instead of paying 19.2 this year and 19 next year, they're going to pay 19.2 this year and then 6.4, 6.4, 6.4 for three years. So that yeah. pays Joe Noah his full money, but just over a smaller over a longer period of time so that each individual year they'll pay him less so it'll hurt their cap a lot less all right that's essentially what it is personally i don't like the fact that they waived and stretched him i understand that the knicks didn't have an option of buying him out Mm -hmm. however i don't think they should have stretched his contract just because we're not signing anyone we're like unless like somehow katie wants to come to the knicks or jimmy does but they, they they won't then just just get it over but, with. But so, just get it over so with. does waving it waving it means though that we have more cap room for for each of those three so it years. means it means that those Str- so instead of player. having 
instead of having to pay all 19 point instead of having to pay 19.2 million dollars in one year they can pay 6.4 million dollars in three years yes which means so that so for that first year essentially you you have a lot more cap room and right yeah so so that basically the the Knicks are betting on that yeah. they're going to sign someone yeah. in that year, or or they just don't want to have all that cap taken up, which I don't I think mean, makes sense because I don't think we're going to be contending. That's what typically what a contending team does, or yeah. a contend, or a team looking to contend. But but whereas at in, least it, we're keeping our options open though. What's that? What's guess, the downside in that really? That in four years, three or four years, we will still be paying off that cap. Yeah, no, it, like I understand it's only six point four million dollars, but mm-hmm. if all of a sudden we're good, like Porzingis is a top whatever player, Kevin Knox hits and is a good and is like an All Star caliber, whatever. Yeah, is like it, it's yeah. a reach, but hopefully, like in a perfect world, and if yeah. some and if we get another dude, then we're in a position where we want to be a contender or just a playoff, whatever. And we have six point four million dollars on the books that we can't get rid of. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just, it's a bad contract. But I would just rather have it, have it get it over uh, with. Yeah, have it kill us for two years Got and then it. never have to deal with it again. Instead of right. still having to care about the name Joakim Noah in twenty twenty two. That 2022. makes sense. <laughs> That's so mean. Why are we? <laughs> okay. Why did we sign him? <laughs> okay, Phil, we don't we don't want to talk about Phil Jackson here. Essentially, yeah. that, that's my opinions on the topic. Yeah. Most people, a lot of people, are okay with it because, like, I, I like I do like the fact that we're keeping our options open. It, it, like in theory, if someone wanted to come si- come sign with the Knicks, and obviously just because it's the Knicks and because, you know, posting some trade rumor about Kevin Durant coming to the Knicks will get a lot of likes. Yes. You know, there's uh, there's always 700 different trade rumors and signing rumors about the Knicks that end up just being heartbreaking when they don't happen. Um, but, you know, for th- for that little hope that we have left, yes, I'm happy that we that we stretched it out. <laughs> okay. Last thing we want to talk about is, well, we'll we'll make it quick. But Dejounte Murray tore his Achilles, or mm. rather his ACL. Sorry, his ACL this week. And also, Derek White got injured. I, I forget the specific injury, but I'm pretty sure he's out six to eight weeks. As well as Lonnie Walker already have been... Is he out for the season? Lonnie Walker? Yeah. No. He's not? Oh. I'll, I, I don't think so. But right, regardless, the Spurs have one point guard. All three of the players that I just named before were point guards. And they only have Patty Mills left. I don't know who's going to be their backup. Like... Worst comes to worst, they were going to not have DeJounte Murray and not going to have Lonnie Walker, who's a point guard slash a shooting guard. And they'll just have Patty Mills, and for the backup, they'll have Derek White. But now they don't have that anymore. They literally don't have a backup point guard. So I'm looking at their roster right now, and the other quote-unquote like ball handlers, that could be the primary ball handler in the role of a point guard, would be Jamar DeRozan mm-hmm. and maybe like Ru- Rudy Gay. Because like they're... The, for for reference, the other guards on their team, I mean Br- Bryn Forbes, but like he he's really a multi a multi position player. Like he has point guard abilities, but he's not even like a he's not a pure point guard. No, he de- definitely not. Okay, and you have maybe Rudy Gay, and no <laughs> playing Rudy Gay of point, point guard. guard. He's weird. a small forward. I mean, yeah. like just primary ball handler. And then Marco Bellinelli is not running point guard because, as far as we know, he can't dribble. I mean, really, he's just, he's just a shooter. So I, I don't understand. I think maybe DeMar DeRozan is just going to have to not 
Like, Pop will figure it out, though. I feel like Patty Mill, one of Patty Mills and DeMar DeRozan are going to have to be on the floor at all times, which is a really weird combination. I think mm. that... Let's talk about DeJounte Murray now, because I think we just needed to address that the Spurs have one point guard on their roster. Yeah, so, right, so really quick update. Um, Lonnie Walker tore his meniscus, which, for those of you who don't know, is in your knee. It's sort of it's sort of like t- tearing like your ACL or something, um, but not quite as severe. Um, he's only going to be out six to eight weeks rather than like a whole season. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's not the worst. So yeah, th- that's not terrible. Um, so he'll be back. I mean, there. So the, the basically the Spurs are going to start out the season with you know the first couple months of the season with just one point guard really yeah with just one eventually point. then they'll have guys coming back like Derek white and Lonnie Walker both only missing a couple months but that's for not those good couple for, months yeah, that's not good for a team that's trying to make the playoffs I mean the, and this really team like competitive West. they're really kind of having to redefine themselves this season with finally that era of Manu Tony Parker and Tim Duncan being totally over plus Kawhi Leonard yeah that you know, they're sort of their core from their last championship is all out the door now. Um, yeah, it just including like it, Danny Green too. It, it just sucks, man. Like their only really good defensive player, Dejounte Murray, is just out for the season. And I, mm-hmm. I loved like the Spurs this year. I gassed them up so much. Yeah. In our power rankings, I had them, I think, number eight as the eighth best team in the league or something like that. Maybe seventh. Yeah, and I don't see that anymore because they don't have a defense. I understand that Greg Popovich is a great coach, which is why they'll be they'll still not, be they, 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 not they, horrendous. They on won't defense, be bottom ten in defense only because of Greg Popovich. Yeah, this okay. is this is not a good defense. These are roster. their starters: Demar Derozan, horrible on defense. I don't even I mean, know who's going to start below average. Okay, but sorry, below yeah. average on defense. Rudy Gay, below average on defense. Uh, Pat, Patty Mills, yeah. Patty Mills, below average on defense. Jakob Pertl average to slightly above average and i don't know who else is going to start Probably maybe Pau Gasol. no they wouldn't play him at the four like they, they haven't come out with like the official they wouldn't play Pau Gasol at the four no Pau Gasol played four for most of his career though i know but he's like 40 yeah but they started him last year no but dirk plays center hmm dirk plays center what do you mean? No, I'm sorry. I'm saying right now last year right i'm saying right now dirk plays center whereas he was a power forward wait though. did you say lamarcus Aldridge in that five you no. might not have said him. They're definitely starting Lamarcus Aldridge. <laughs> My bad. I <laughs> no, skipped over. Um, but last year, the, but last year they ran Lamarcus at the four and Pau Gasol on the five. Yes. Yeah. Wait, what? What? Okay. Okay. okay we, right, we just right. got very confused. My bad. Okay. I, I like brain lapsed on Lamarcus Aldridge. Yeah, he'll, he'll be the four. Who's also I would say average to below average on defense. That's one. Yeah. Ab- that's one average or above average defender, and then the rest are horrible or bad. We're not good, mm. and I just think that kind of sucks for the Spurs. It just lowers their chances for a little bit. And in the Western Conference, every win and every loss matters. It does, yeah. That that's all I really wanted to address with them. I mean, I think though, you think they're still a playoff team. I think they're, yeah. they're still a playoff well, team. Yeah, like this, but it, I mean, it depends I think how they perform. It's pro- probably pretty hard for a team that has Pop as the coach to miss the playoffs. Yeah, but um, yeah, I don't know. This is that's definitely a big hit just to be missed. Dejounte Murray was, I think, sort of finally coming to the picture as like an above-average starting point guard in the league this year, maybe. Yeah, it's just one year and back yeah. on his development, which is kind of disappointing. He mm-hmm. made an all uh, defensive second team last year. Yeah, which was sick. Yeah, 
yeah. really impressed with DeJounte, but until next year for for him and hopefully not next year for the Spurs, hopefully this year in making mm-hmm. the playoffs. All right? Yeah. Thank you for listening to this episode of Space the Floor podcast. If you like this episode and you're listening on YouTube, give it a like. Subscribe. Subscribe. Turn on post notifications. Uh, Never miss an episode. Follow us on Twitter at Space the Floor. Follow us on Instagram at Space the Floor NBA Podcast. You can search out Space the Floor NBA Podcast on YouTube. You'll find us. Thank you for listening. My name is Connor Gillen. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Connor Flannery. And peace. Bye.